Oh, last Sunday, in the, in the final segment of Hebrews 12, uh, the writer of Hebrews tied a, a nice bow on a book-long argument that he'd been making. God's Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, has fulfilled the old covenant and has mediated a new and superior covenant that now defines the relationship between he, God, and his people from every nation and generation of the world. Uh, the new covenant that is now and forever in effect is not like the old covenant in which God said to Israel, if you physically perform these 613 laws, then I will prosper and protect you. Uh, the new covenant is much better than that. The new covenant that is now and forever in effect is this, that Jesus Christ has shed his own righteous blood once and for all on the cross of Calvary that those who confess their sin and entrust themselves to his saving power will be made righteous, sanctified, and redeemed unto everlasting life. This is the new and superior covenant. And now, by faith in Christ... And with gratitude for Christ, we as New Covenant Christians must offer to God acceptable worship. This is what the writer of Hebrews stated last week in chapter 12, verse 28. We must offer to God acceptable worship. But it begs a really important question, doesn't it? What exactly is acceptable worship within the terms of the New Covenant? What is the acceptable worship that God deserves and desires from us. Are we to offer him the blood of bulls and goats? Are we to abstain from eating any form of pork and or shellfish? Are we to abstain from wearing any mixed fabrics or washing any dishes on Saturday? No. Paul writes to the New Covenant Christians in Colossians 2, 16 and 17, don't let anyone pass any judgment on you in regards to food and drink. Don't let anyone pass any judgment on you in regards to festival or new moon or Sabbath. Why? Well, because the old covenant is no more. The temple is no more. The Levitical high priesthood is no more. And Ephesians 2, 15, the the law of commandments expressed in ordinances has been abolished. Those things were but a shadow. And the substance belongs to he whom we belong to, to Jesus. It's all in Jesus. And so it goes back to the really important question that's begged. You know, at the end of last week's passage, we must offer to God acceptable worship. Worship that coincides with the terms of the new covenant. But what exactly is the acceptable worship that God deserves and desires. Well, good news for you and me. The writer of Hebrews simply tells us uh, in our passage this morning. And so without any further ado, I'd invite you to follow along as I read. And our passage is Hebrews chapter 13, verses 1 through 6. But I want to read uh, from verses 28 and 29, just the lines ahead of it in chapter 12. Therefore... Let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, 
And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Now here's our passage. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison, as though you were in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can say confidently, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Holy God, would you humble us and teach us this holy word that we would be conformed to your holy likeness in Christ for your glory and our joy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So it's only August, but Christmas is right around the corner, okay? <laughs> so every year before Christmas, I'm gonna tell a story about my dad. He, he comes up with Dave's Christmas list. And it's such a help. It's such a help because Lindsay and I and our kids, you know, his grandkids, we want to get my dad and my mom, of course, we want to get them something that they would enjoy, right? And so it's so helpful when my dad just comes up with Dave's Christmas list and just hands out copies, <laughs> right? It's, it's so helpful. Not only is it funny, but it's helpful. And in the passage that we've just read, isn't this amazing? Is our heavenly father, through the writer of Hebrews, has just told us of five ways that we can worship him acceptably. Five ways that he wants us to worship him. It's like Dave's Christmas list, right? It's incredible. It's incredible because here, every believer I know, every believer I know wants to please the one who has made us and saved us the one who calls us his own for eternity. We all want to please him. And right here, we're given five ways we might do that. Number one, and this is my five-point outline. Yes, we're gonna be here until about 4.30, so here we go. Number one, we worship God when we love one another. I'll repeat these as we go. Number two, we worship God when we are hospitable to others. Number three, we worship God when we hurt with those who are hurting. Number four, we worship God when we honor the sanctity of marriage. Number five, we worship God when we find our deepest delight and comfort and security in Him. 
I'll repeat all of those as we go, I promise. Number one, we worship God when we love one another. Verse one, let brotherly love continue. Brotherly love, sisterly love. It's the kind of ever enduring through thick and thin love that we are to have for and with and among the local church family of believers. Do you hear the familial language, brother, sister? It's not a one-time love that we're able to conjure up in our own strength. No, it's the ever enduring love that has been lavished upon us by Jesus himself been shown to us by Jesus himself and we are to abide together in this love by the enabling power of the Holy Spirit. Well, what is, what is love? There's a song that... <laughs> John 15, 13. It comes to everybody's mind. I'm still on the what is love <laughs> We don't take ourselves too seriously here, thank the Lord. John 15, 13. There is no greater love than this. No demonstration of love that, that, that trumps this. When you lay down your life for someone else. That, of course, is what Jesus did for us at the cross. And this, of course, is what Jesus calls us to do as his new covenant worshipers. When we lay down our lives or desires, preferences, comforts, conveniences, aspirations, when we lay down our lives in the context of community groups or Sunday gathering or even, wait for it, on social media, when we lay down our lives for the other believers that are posting there, We prove to the watching world we belong to Jesus. You're not going to see this kind of love anywhere else. When we lay down ourselves for our brother and our sister, the world will inevitably, give it time, they'll go, oh, I mean, I don't believe in Jesus, but you clearly belong to him. And that's attractive. By this, Jesus says, John 13, 15, uh, 13, 35, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The kind of like death to self love that we're called to have for one another is, here's the bad news, impossible for us to achieve in our own strength. So if you're like me, you need to ask God to give you the love that you don't naturally have, let's be just totally honest with one another, in the church, people drive me crazy. <laughs> I drive you crazy, you drive me crazy. I am not really easy to love. But, but, but God isn't asking you to do that in your own strength. You're really not easy to love. And the Lord isn't asking me to do that in my own strength. So we need to ask God to give to us what, what we need 
to actually acceptably worship him. This is new covenant worship right here. Let, let brotherly love and sisterly love continue and abide in that tomorrow and the next day and the next day if I give it to you. That's what he's saying. So when, when you, oh saint, wake up early to give a ride to someone in this church family, when you take an hour to prepare a meal for someone in this church family, when you write a note of encouragement for someone or to someone in this church family, when you serve, when you are patient with, when you are generous toward, and when you graciously but firmly speak truth in love to someone, even when they don't want to hear it, guess what? In that moment, you're worshiping God the way he wants to be worshiped. Point number one, we worship God when we love one another. I'm going to try and keep the other ones even more brief than that one because I am already starting to ramble. But number two, we worship God when we are hospitable to others. Right here, verse two. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Now, it would be patently unwise to, to invite a complete stranger off the street to come spend the night down the hallway from your kids, right? And God would never ask us to do something like that. Remember with me the context of this statement. In first century Rome, which is likely where this letter was first delivered, the Christians there were losing their homes left and right. The Christians there, on account of their faith in Christ, they were losing their families and friends and possessions on account of their faith. And yet some of them still had their homes. And for those Christians who still had their homes despite persecution, the most comfortable decision the most kind of no-brainer decision that they could have possibly made would be to lock their doors and barricade themselves inside and don't give an inch to anyone. But that, that, that's what the unbelieving world would do. And our brotherly love is what sets us apart from the unbelieving world. Here's a quick personal story that I think illustrates what we are being asked to do in verse 2. In college... My buddy and I delivered a U-Haul truck full of Bibles to an older missionary couple who was out of state for us in Pennsylvania. We didn't know them personally, but we were friends with their believing friends. And we, were, we, we weren't going to stay with them. We were just going to scrounge up enough pocket change to get like a Motel 6 or something like that. But when we got there, this older missionary couple who was home on furlough, they had already prepared two beds for us. They had already assembled breakfast items for us to eat together the next morning and they had even put a $20 bill on each of our pillows to help with school expenses. They hosted us like they would have maybe hosted angels and you can never be too sure. When we open up our hearts and hands and homes to the saints, to the saints in our community groups even, this is good training ground. I know that we are all, most of us, not strangers here. But in the community group forum, that setting, that's a really good training ground. Every Wednesday when one of our group members opens up their home to host the group, that's really good training ground, readying us for the moment when we'll be able to open our hearts, hands, and homes to the saints we don't yet know. And I think that there is the unknown coming where maybe saints here, even in our town, will need some place to stay. 
Hospitality, of course, comes with boundaries. It has to. I mean, for us, you know, with our own kids, there is no feet, there are no feet on the furniture. Don't stand on the furniture. And so if you're a first timer, don't stand on the furniture. House rules. Also, don't interrupt. Drives me crazy. Right? But I want you to be here and I want to feed you and I want to sit across the table and engage you, right? That, this, is, this is one way we worship God when we are hospitable to others. Number three, we worship God when we hurt with those who are hurting. Verse three, remember those who are in prison as though you are in prison with them and remember those who are being mistreated because you are a part of the same body as they are, the body of Christ. Each of these Jewish Christians who weren't yet in prison on account of their faith, they certainly knew someone who was. They did. And each of them who was yet to face mistreatment, persecution, well, they had a friend, likely in Rome, around 66 AD, they had a friend who likely had already been mistreated and persecuted. Here, the writer of Hebrews urges them, and us of course, to not only not forget those who are currently hurting, but to hurt with them, right? Now, for you and I in the room, we may not know anyone personally who right now is facing intense levels of persecution. We may not yet know someone personally. But we can and must, here's what came to mind this week, redeem our use of social media and online subscriptions. Here's one to follow if you're on Facebook or Twitter or email even. The Voice of the Martyrs. The Voice of the Martyrs. Just this week on August 14th, the Voice of the Martyrs posted this. 20 armed Al-Qaeda fighters stormed a church in the Middle East. They didn't tell which church, of course. But just this week, 20 armed Al-Qaeda fighters stormed a church in the Middle East. And from among the fearful cries of the congregants, Pastor John was his name. He yelled out from behind the pulpit, God is welcoming us. Be at peace. And just like that. It doesn't happen this way every time, but, but glory be to God. Just like that, Pastor John's words, just this week, they so, his words so unsettled the, the attackers, the armed men, that instead of killing anyone, they just vandalized everything and then they ran away. Glory be to God. You and I, we have an opportunity in hurting with those who hurt. We have it right here, of course, right, right in front of us, yes. We also have an opportunity to expand the horizon of our eyes and set it on the, the capital C, the, the, the big C church, the body of Christ worldwide, who is right now facing atrocities on account of their faith. You and I, as New Covenant Christians, we, in fact, worship God. We worship him when we envision ourselves being in the shoes of our afflicted brothers and sisters around the world. And then we worship God when we do for them what we would want them to do for us. When we pray. When we pray. 
for them and their churches and their struggling family members, when we write letters, if we are able, when we support them, maybe financially or, or in some other gift, if possible, you and I may not yet personally know anyone who is on the front lines of intense persecution. But it's coming. And right now, we get to stand with our brothers and sisters in the capital C Worldwide Church in the same way that we would want them to stand with us when our day of persecution comes. Jesus, our great Savior, says this to us in 25, 35, 20, chapter 25, verses 35 through 40. Truly, I say to you, when you visit your brothers and sisters in prison, when you're mindful of them, when you're prayerful for them, when you're supportive of them, know this. It's as if you're doing all of those things for me personally. Talk about new covenant worship. So I need to repent for allowing myself to succumb to an out of sight, out of mind posture with the church, right? And maybe you do too. We worship God when we hurt with those who are hurting, point number three. Point number four, we worship God when we honor the sanctity of marriage. Verse four, let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Um, often on Sunday mornings, uh, I hope often, <laughs> and I will speak toward, and, and we, we see directly in God's word, the kind of personal embracing of sexual immorality. I, I, I share of my own past with lustfulness, and I still struggle with that, and share of my own past dabbling in pornography in our early year of our first year of marriage. I share that, and, and all of that. Second looks and entertaining thoughts, personal holiness needs to be pursued by the church. We need to put away sexual immorality and adultery from ourselves. But I wanna, I wanna take just the next step in this passage right here that we're looking at. There may not be a more important battle for Christians to re-engage today than the battle for the sanctity of marriage. There may not be a more important battle that we are faced with than the battle for the sanctity of marriage. Our God-given gender roles are being desecrated by the culture. Our God-given gender identities are being desecrated by our culture. And the marriage bed that is God's sacred gift for the existence and stability and flourishing of humanity is being desecrated by our culture. I say this, that there may not be a more important battle for Christians to re-engage. I say that that way. I use that word because I don't know of any other battle as important as this one that Christians have failed to engage and are failing to engage. We've just been eroded by the siren song of the culture. And now almost everything is just okay. It's just okay. And I'm not only 
referring to the marriages between two men and two women that so many professing Christians are seemingly okay approving today, attending, participating, congratulating, toasting. So many Christians are okay with that. And it's not okay. And I'm not just referring to those situations. I'm going to up the ante. I'm also referring to the marriages, heterosexual marriages, of men and women who have no grounds to be married in the first place. Either because, A, one or both of them were wrongly divorced from their previous spouse, or B, one of them belongs to Christ as a believer while the other one belongs to the world. Those are not okay. Period. And I can't even imagine the number of wedding invitations that professing Christians have not even really given much thought to. Yeah, I'll come. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Were they married before? You have some digging to do, believer. Were they divorced on biblical grounds? There are only two grounds. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Before you RSVP, yes, that you're going to go and endorse this marriage, is he an absolutely devout follower of Christ and she not? You can't go to that. You have some digging to do and some talking to do. You have some evangelizing to do. The sanctity of marriage has been so corroded that I think the church is as guilty as any. And that is really sad. It should be sad to us. The sobering reality is that in the cases of homosexual marriages and in the cases of wrongfully divorced heterosexual marriages, that marital union is an act of sexual immorality and adultery. Let the marriage bed be held in honor and undefiled at all, period. Let it not be defiled by you if you bear the name of Christ. Let not your approval even give a hint that you're approving of something that is an abomination to the Lord. We're talking holy stuff here. We're talking the costliness of faith. But the way that I, you know, the people that I'm looking out toward right now and the way that I feel in my heart is I've been walking with Christ long enough. It's time for me to tie up my shoes and mature. It's time for me to allow my faith to get a little costly from time to time. Because we, we are to shine as lights against the backdrop of a world that anything goes. We laugh and we scoff when we read tabloids. You know, I think it's like in Britain just like this summer. A, mar a woman married a roller coaster, like, like a theme park roller coaster. And we can laugh at that a little bit, but then we have to go, mm, I've done nothing on this home front to really help keep it from going that way. I've RSVP'd to all the married, you can just get married, marry whoever you want, whatever background you have. I'm just going to go ahead and get loud for a second. No! No! Our God is holy, and that's what we're called to. And we probably next summer have a lot of no's in our RSVPs. Or, and at the same time, we have a lot of digging, pursuing that couple, and really asking the tough questions. 
Marriage, when it comes to those who are unequally yoked, marriage is not a mission field. I'm telling this to my eldest daughter, Finley, right now. You may be so in love with that unbelieving man. Marriage is no mission field. And if you step into that, not only will I not be able to attend, I can't, I can't, I can't bless that, but you'll also be likely, very likely, in a world of pain. The saints are not to be unequally yoked. Do you and I want to honor God? Do we want to worship him? Well, then right here, let marriage be held in honor. And let the marriage bed be undefiled, period. We worship God when we honor the sanctity of marriage, point number four. Point number five, we worship God when we find our deepest delight and comfort and security in him. Here's another one that's going to hurt because it hurts me. Verses five and six, keep your life free from the love of money. Be content with what you have. For God has said, oh, hold on to this one. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And so, believer, you can now confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I won't fear, because what can man do to me? Here's a word that every one of us, whether rich or poor, must heed, must take very seriously, because when it comes to money, the things that money buys, buy, there may be no greater threat to our souls than this. Now, hear this. It is no sin to have money. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> Christ himself knows firsthand that in order to function in this world, money is necessary. But what Jesus kept himself from in his life and what we as his new covenant people who actually want to worship him in an acceptable way what we must keep ourselves from is the love of money. Very few professing Christians, I think, have the courageous wherewithal to call a spade a spade and to admit that money really tends to be a mistress of ours. We adore the comforts that money affords. We adore the securities that money boasts. We adore the pleasures that money provides. And we adore the American dream that money unlocks. But Jesus' words in Matthew 6, 24, believer, if you are a believer, you cannot love God and money at the same time. It is one or the other, not both and. And I think that there's tremendous reason here because for even those of us that have five bucks in our pocket, we can tend to look to our bank accounts for provision before we look to God. We can tend to look to our bank accounts for comfort 
before we look to God. We can tend to look to our bank accounts for security. Oh man, that's a big one, right? We've got a lot of zeros here. I feel more and more and more secure when all the while I really believe that money is a placebo. It's an empty pill we take. Makes us feel secure. We're not any more secure one iota because we have or we don't. I really appreciate the, the prayer of the, I think it might be Solomon in Proverbs 30, verses 8 or 9, and I think that it could be very worshipful for you and me to pray this. Lord, give me neither poverty, poverty nor riches. Instead, give me just enough to satisfy my needs because if I grow rich, I'll end up denying you. I'll rely upon myself. I'll be consumed with my own delights and distractions and leave the life of mission and trust in myself. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Instead, give me just what is needed to satisfy my needs. Because if I grow rich, I, 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 I may deny you. I, I, I likely will. But also, if I grow too poor, I may steal and profane your name. Give me what I need. Give me what I need. And then, and then, on top of what I need, oh Lord, give me the rare jewel. This is Jonathan Burroughs, the Puritan theologian. Give me, give me on, on top of that the rare jewel of Christian contentment. I am his and he is mine. I know him and he knows me. I'm his son. And nothing can ever or will ever shake that. Come hell or high water. Come the stock market plummeting. Come some evil tyrant who wants to take everything away from me, my property, house, possessions, all that stuff. Come, come any, what, can, what can man do to me if I am yours and you are mine? The answer is nothing. Nothing. He might kill my body, but you, God, and Jesus Christ will raise me right the heck up. Maybe a prayer that we could pray repentantly today. Give me eyes to see that there is no greater comfort, that there is no greater pleasure, that there is no greater security, no greater satisfaction than knowing and being known by the one who paints the morning sunrise. Knowing and being known by the one who carved out the Grand Canyon in all of its majesty. Knowing and being known by the one who will not, because he cannot ever abandon me, my, his Holy Spirit indwells me. He can't deny himself in me. He can't deny the name of Jesus on me. No matter what the evil schemes of mortal men may concoct, I am held and I don't need money to hold me, right, right. From this passage, kind of heavy, <laughs> kind of heavy. 
From this passage, we see that when we love one another with brotherly, sisterly love, when we are hospitable to others, when we hurt with those who are hurting, when we honor the sanctity of marriage already, when we find our deepest delight and comfort and security in him, in Christ, when we do these things, see with me, we are not only fulfilling the new covenant law of Christ, we are showing the world, we are proving to the world that we are disciples of Christ and the cherry on top of all of it is that we are worshiping God the way he wants to be worshiped when we do these things. And Jesus has made all of this possible for us, has he not? It's not your own effort and mine. Don't hear from this message some sort of legalistic plea that pick yourself up by the bootstraps now and go out and just simply work harder. Yes, work is involved. Grace is not opposed to effort. Grace is opposed to earning. So when we leave this place today, believer, oh goodness, we already, signed, sealed, and delivered, belong to God. Under the blood of Jesus, we have been perfected, washed, redeemed, adopted, qualified for an inheritance of saints that is unshakable as we've seen. So now you get to and I get to operate from a posture we're already in. We're already in and now don't you delight to and want to worship God on his terms. Offer to him a pleasing aroma a sacrifice of praise. Here's how we may do it. If you're here and you've not personally trusted Christ, well, I have to tell you what Scripture tells you and me, you're a sinner, and there is no hope for your being reconciled to God for eternal life apart from the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And so the bad news for all sinners is that sinners will either face the punishment themselves or they can trust that that punishment was already unleashed upon the Son of God on the cross and that he rose again and that he invites you and me and all of us to turn from our sin, to confess our sinfulness, and then to say, Jesus, I know of no other. I need you to save me, to forgive me, to bring me into your forever kingdom family and to absolutely seal me for eternal life. I would urge you to do that today. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. We're not guaranteed 15 minutes from now. Receive that. Receive that. Let's pray. And then the saints will worship. Father God, your word is true. It is good. It is right. It is not always easy. But it is always good. It is always good. And we, as your new covenant people, thank goodness I don't have to look to my fulfilling of 613 written commands that are actually too heavy for me to bear. Thank you, Lord, that you have brought me into your family by the merits of Jesus. By faith and repentance, Lord, I am yours and so are my brothers and sisters in Christ before me here. And we ask that you would help us empower our steps that we might Offer to you worship that is acceptable and pleasing. Worship on your terms. We can sing, yes, and we must. 
But Lord, I do pray that we would do so, asking for a spirit of love to flow through us to our brothers and sisters here. A spirit of hospitality, Lord. A spirit of, it's the other ones. <laughs> Holding the sanctity of marriage high. And a spirit, Lord, of finding in you all of our deepest satisfaction. We pray this, Lord, and trust that you will absolutely do this and more. We thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.